Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm R.C. Weslowski. And I'm Pamela Bentley. And uh, we're happy to have Wanda Kihiwin here as our guest today. Hi, Wanda. Hello. So nice to have you here. You're, um, you've got a new manuscript we were talking about before air that you've just submitted, and uh, maybe we'll hear a bit from that, but you're going to start us with a poem. Sure. Um, have you guys heard of the poem Zanzibar? Sort of. Okay. I'll just read that, and then I wrote an epigraph. So Zanzibar, it's by Robert Kelly. All this romance is just Zanzibar. What matters is a note stuck by a magnetic carrot to the refrigerator (laughs) saying, don't look for me, I am gone. Mm. So then I wrote an epigraph of that, and this is a reply. (laughs) The rest of the letter that fell under the refrigerator, written on (laughs) pink post-it notes and tiny, neat handwriting with surprisingly no mistakes. (laughs) Please don't look for me. I have gone to Zanzibar. I've gone to pet baby monkeys, and I've taken the car. It feels like I'm choking on cold cream of gruel, lumpy, bumpy, cold and cruel, laying half dead in your pool. I've gone to feel the sand on my feet and write poems between the sheets, something I've never done before, and dance naked in the streets. Perhaps I'll visit a sultan's palace and eat exotic foods, mango curry, coconut pilau, and perhaps I'll take some nudes. I'll send you a postcard, perhaps a pick or two. Don't forget to feed the dog and let him out to poo. Love, Irene. (laughs) (laughs) And who's Irene? (laughs) It was just a response. It's like some wife who got Mm -hmm. like tired of the home life and just took off to Zanzibar. That image of the cold gruel, that just made me like, oh, we were talking about, like, my stomach's a little upset, and that didn't help. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like Shirley Valentine running off to Greece and maybe never coming back. Do you know that? Remember that movie? No, From I never the saw 90s? Oh, I it was good, but that's got that. That, that sort of, she runs off to get her yayas out and uh, and then has a romance and... Maybe maybe she's not coming back. Mm. And she was and definitely... And she taken the car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, she was living in the UK and had to go to Greece, so she couldn't drive the whole way, but... <laughs> so was that the entire poem that you were reading the excerpt from, or just yeah. an excerpt? Uh, yeah, I'd never heard of that before. Where's it from, or how's it? How, do you, taking, how did you know it? I was taking a creative writing class, and so we were kind of... We were studying that poem, and I was like, well... That's leaving me with many questions unanswered, and I need to write a response. Yeah. So I wrote about Irene and, you know, wanting to go and never come back and take the car and don't forget to feed the dog. And I'm like, normalize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, and I'd never written an epigraph before. So, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So it was an assignment. If there was some place that you wanted to get away to, where would it be? Good question. Zanzibar or somewhere else? No, back to Kihiwan, back to my uh, reserve to do a ceremony. Hmm. That's where I'd want to go. Second up would be Alaska um, during the winter so I could watch the northern lights. Mm. Where is Kihiwan? It's about three and a half hours, probably north east, no, northwest of Edmonton. Oh, wow. It's way up north. Yeah. Yeah. When it's was the last time you were there? Two years ago. Did you go for a ceremony? Yeah. I try to go every year. I didn't make it last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why you're wanting, wanting <laughs> yep. it. <laughs> yep. I want to go this year. Are you going to? I'm going to try in between my job and my daughter and everything else going on in my life. So, yes, I am definitely going to try. And we're saving up for Disneyland as well. So, mm-hmm. hope we can do it all. Quite the extremes, the two. <laughs> do you take your daughter with you when you go to Kihiwan? Yep. She comes into ceremony with us. And cool. she sleeps all night. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, it's pretty amazing. How long is the ceremony, you say, with ceremony, or in ceremony? It's, it's from some sundown to sun up so you're praying all night long mm. and it's in a teepee mm-hmm. and there's a fire and there's like an altar and you just pray mm. and i love being with my family right mm. yeah um, I do it. how many people would be in ceremony at the same time or are there is it one yeah person? probably i think the most probably 30 okay yeah nice. and i've been to ceremony where there's like 15 people which is still a good number they say that whoever's supposed to be there is going to be there okay so it's not like posted on facebook or uh. <laughs> anything like that it's like whoever hears about it and comes is supposed to be there so right. i like that idea mm-hmm. yeah um you were talking about the northern lights and i've been reading a book called the end of night and it's all about how um, so many people now in modern times have um, little or no access to seeing the stars at night um, just because of light pollution. And I'm curious what you recall about uh, living up there and the night sky or what strikes you or do you remember getting, what kind of memories do you have around the night? I miss the stars. Like I, I live in Coquitlam and so I see, I see the dipper, the big dipper and I see... A couple of stars here and there but not it's not as vibrant and alive as on the prairies where there is no light pollution mm-hmm. so i really missed that so i had a chance to see the stars i went to nelson uh bc in march on a work trip and i was amazed at the, the stars and it was just beautiful and i really missed that mm-hmm. Yeah, neat. Yeah, so do I. I mean, I miss it. I grew up in a, in a, in a, in a, on a farm in the country, and same thing as a child, just going out and sneaking out back and in the middle of the night and just staring at the sky. So it's kind of interesting. The book Watching is very nostalgic. Watching for other life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and wondering, why, what's up there? What's that's, up there? Yeah. That's probably the thing that I love the most about living in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And when people would come to visit me, you know, we would drive up from Albuquerque where I'd pick them up. And then as we stepped out of the car at the house I was living in in the country, they would I would walk to the front door and then I would realize they weren't behind me. It happened every time. And I'd look back and they'd be sitting there going, whoa, because mm-hmm. it's so dark. 
and and it was open, right? So like in Nelson, you still don't get to see the whole sky, no. right? Yeah, no. Prairie girls, we want to see the whole sky. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, tell us about this uh, manuscript you've just submitted. What's it uh, about? And it's going to be called Seven Sacred Truths, and it's basically, I guess I've through my writing, I've gone on a healing journey. Um, so I'm writing about the seven sacred truths and what it means to me and describing it in my words. Um, and there's an essay in the beginning, which is called Colonization Teaches Hate. Mm-hmm. I have it here, but it's like eight pages long, so I don't think we have time. But it's going to be in the book. And it's coming out in the fall. And, yeah, we're still working on the cover images. And, yeah, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Who's it's it coming out with? Talon Books. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know how the heck it happened because mm-hmm. I have a five-year-old and then I have full-time work, two dogs, two geckos, and a cat. <laughs> and you still haven't run off to Zanzibar, so there you go. No, I should put love Wanda instead of Irene, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to take out the dog. I've taken the car. See you later. <laughs> Do you uh, have yeah. any other pieces from the manuscript that you could, or uh, um, other pieces that you could? Or if you want to read an excerpt from that essay, that's totally fine, too. Yeah, you know? for sure. Okay, if you want to depre- be depressed, sure. <laughs> You're like, there's no answer there, so... <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with things being real. It's okay. Okay, this is real. Hmm. Colonization teaches hate. I hated myself because of it. It mystifies me, lies to me, confuses me, and always brings me to my knees. It tears me to little pieces that scatter in the lone wind landing in different parts of the world I've never been and could never dream to go. After all, I, after all, I was at the very end of the world on a small reserve that ended by the lake. Reading has brought me to Africa where the lions, giraffes, rhinos, and elephants roamed the land and the hungry children thought about being me with plenty of food while I thought of being them with plenty of love and wondered which was worse. Was Maslow's hierarchy of needs wrong in stating food becomes food comes before love? We managed to get one channel with tinfoil rabbit ears, and we would watch shows like Beachcombers, Coronation Street, and Sesame Street. Around holidays like Christmas, there were specials airing over the remote airwaves like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, or movies that touched me where no one else was able to. Santa was always nice to children, and Rudolph found himself after being mistreated and shunned. I was going to find those places where children were treated nice and little girls found themselves. I left home at 14, eager to leave a barren land with no hope and possibly find some in another land, way past the lake filled with leeches outside the reservation, about as foreign as you can get, especially when as a child you think you are already at the end of the world getting ready to drop off at any time. Anything would be better than here. I thought...
Even at six years old, I was always dreaming of one day leaving, never coming back and finding my mom, who let the demons chase her to places where people acted like lions. My Uncle Jimmy committed suicide on a calm, rainy day when the drops of rain felt warm and soothing in the middle of summer when I was nine. My mother fell to the floor when the cops told her, asked her, is Jimmy your brother? Well, he hung himself and died. The cop didn't even wait for her to answer, to claim that that was her brother. I remember her. It could have even been your mom continuously stamping her feet on the gray, peeling linoleum, and she couldn't stop crying. Her thinning hair matted to her face, and her eyes swelled before my eyes. I can still hear the grass dancing in the wind through the open window and feel the slight coolness of the breeze that entered our dark basement suite. He had hung himself with a belt in a white closet from a solid wood dowel. I remember those dowels and how thick and strong those things were made in the old days. I know because I would hang from the same dowel while I was playing. The eggshell white paint hadn't even had time to gather a brownish-yellow hue from all the smoking that he was supposed to do in his lifetime. He was in his 30s. I never really knew him. He was always in jail or off in another city using drugs, and I hated him for it. He was nothing like the uncles I saw on TV. As I grew older, I wondered just what pushed him over the edge to imagine a white eggshell closet as a final resting place without saying goodbye to anyone and leaving my mom to question whether she could have saved him had she been there, and me questioning if she had saved him, what would he have been doing? Maybe, just maybe, he would have become a stone pillar for all the family to be drawn to when they were weary. Or would he have been amid the fentanyl crisis, another another overdose? As an Indian, it doesn't take much. After years and years of mistreatment, objectification and suppression to give in to the spur-of-the-moment suicides without goodbyes. Time seems to calm lives down, but sometimes time moves too slow to give any hope and answers. Answers are like stars, out of reach and dying every day moment by moment and aren't really tangible to us beings because we can't touch them. But night after night they come out and we aren't, when we aren't absorbed by trauma, can we ever really notice them and give them the space for more thoughts besides the past. I think I'll stop there. Wow, thanks for uh, sharing that and finding the space and to do that. You're so welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Here's a box of Kleenex for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that actually um, makes me think about. I mean, it's it's going to sound like it's a, an awkward segue, but I, I mean it sincerely. That one of the things that I'm grateful for is that we have space on Co-op Radio to give space to things like that. So, I mean, it's our spring drive right now, and um, we're thinking about what we're grateful for. And um, you couldn't do that other other places, right? So Co-op Radio gives us the space to do that. I'm really grateful for that, and I hope that everybody uh, who's listening also um, wants to support Co-op Radio doing that. I just wanted to say that a lot of the stuff that I write is 
coming from, I guess, would shock others or seems like it's coming from a painful place. Well, it is. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be able to write about it had I not, I guess, jumped over the fence. Mm. So, yeah, so a lot of my writing I do to share with other people who come from trauma Mm -hmm. so that they can also know that you can make it out and there is hope so Mm -hmm. do you do you feel like um you're a reporter then in a way um when talking about those things now that you've jumped over that fence and looking back and sharing that information is there some sort of um reportage element to it i don't know i would say I share my experience and also with the people that I work with, I share the experience and it's healing. It's not meant to get any self-pity or mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff. It's to um, have them know it's okay to stand in your truth mm. and to not let the past define you. So to stand in my truth, that's... That's that's it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, and then without denying, like not letting it define you, but also not denying that it was there, right? That it's part of who you are. I did that for many, many years, but no, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. I think the naming of it, like once you name it, it, then you can take a little bit of ownership of it, and then it can you can separate yourself somewhat from it, and then allow yourself to move on, kind of thing. If dealing with trauma, sometimes. I also think knowing Canada's history mm-hmm. is a big, um, is key in the healing process. Like knowing that, no, my family didn't go through all this dysfunction and stuff because that's just the way they were. It was, they didn't even understand. So mm-hmm. I think I give a voice to my mother as well, my mm-hmm. grandmother and um, ancestors as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when people are in trauma, like we're in the downtown east side right now, they don't even know. And I, I feel, and I've read about it, that trauma is actually in your DNA. So all that trauma is passed on through the yeah. the baby and the womb, and then they don't even know what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. You may not have gone to residential school, but your grandmother may have, but you're still carrying that intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. So understanding that is a big, yeah. big yeah, and segue that, into healing. Yeah, yeah. And knowing that, that colonialism is the primary cause of all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff too, mm-hmm. rather than it just doesn't happen. You know, people just don't start behaving that way without, uh, you know, some sort of cause. And a repressed sense of self and, and, and all and trying to hide all that shit that went down, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, you could say shit on the radio. Well, can maybe you, you can't say the F word. <laughs> um, yeah, and you make that so clear in the first two lines of the of the essay, right? That the colonialism teaches hate and then you talk about how you hated yourself. You know? And it that's that's the crux of it right there, right? And the difference between me and my mother is she didn't she probably felt the same way but couldn't name it mm-hmm. couldn't identify it mm-hmm. she was an alcoholic um she passed away at 48 and i was like wow she didn't really live mm-hmm. my grandmother didn't really live a lot of my uncles didn't live um 
so I'm glad for the people around me so it's really important to reach out to the community as well even though you have like trust issues like when you come from a place of trauma you don't trust you have to find somebody to trust and you have to just move forward Mm -hmm. so do you feel like um, you're living now for them as well as for yourself yes definitely I have a poem I didn't bring it with me today but it's called ancestors so they had to keep moving forward, not knowing if there was going to be a resolution at mm-hmm. all. You just keep moving forward. Right. Mm-hmm. But now they know what you're doing. Do you Never thought that? of it that way. Like they watch you living and for them. I don't know. I mean, if, if that's your belief, is that they know what, what you're doing. <laughs> I think it's to make a, the world a better place for all of our children, right? Mm-hmm. And for ourselves as well. And to live in the moment instead of living in the past and then living in the future all the time because you're, you're never going to be in the now. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed when I'm living in the past because that's when those negative voices come up. And I notice when I'm living in the future and that's when anxiety kicks in. But when you're in the present, it's peaceful. Yeah. So in the future... Can you tell us again what the name of the book is that's coming out with Talon Books in the fall? Seven Sacred Truths. And is that your first book, or you've had another one before that, right? Uh, the first one was called In the Doghouse, and it was read that book. published in 2013. And I, I'm thankful to Talon Books because they really gave me a chance to express those feelings and everything it was this book the into doghouse is basically a healing journey so to speak mm-hmm. it was a lot of healing done through writing this book and also in sharing it with people and sharing it with elders i don't charge elders like when i meet an elder um i just give them the book mm-hmm. a lot of times people can't afford books mm-hmm. so yeah, I like to wanna, share it. Do you want to read something from there? Or did you bring it to read something from there? Or um, Sure. You're just carrying it in case you meet an elder. <laughs> <laughs> I always have one on me in case I meet an elder. Our <laughs> guest today is Wanda Kihuan, um on Wax Poetic on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. And we're in the middle of our um, spring. I always get the seasons mixed up for some reason. Our spring member drive. And uh, we're, grat- we're talking about what we're grateful for. And it's uh, having guests like Wanda and doing this kind of programming. And uh, if you are grateful for Co-op Radio and you'd like to support our program in particular, uh, you can call in at 604-684-7561 and uh, talk to a staff member if possible. Or if uh, no one's around to answer the phones, you can go online to cooperadio.org and uh, follow the links and tabs and all that sort of stuff and make a donation that is able to suit your financial needs. So. Again, 604-684-7561 or cooperadio.org. I just have to say that that is the studio number, so if you call that now, we might Uh not answer, but you can call 604-684-8494, and there will be people to answer, 604-684-8494. So take your choice, but you may have to wait for us to answer if you call 7561. Okay, I thought I knew which one I was going to read. Back to Uh, Wanda. (laughs) How much time do I have? 
Probably, uh, we're going to come up to 24. We've probably got about uh, three and a half, four minutes. Okay. Here, I'll just pick. It's called The Highway of Fears. <clears throat> my mother wove herself into my mind, through my heart, my vision, my grief. For once, I let it all go. I knew she loved me, just like all the other Indian children, abandoned, taken, forsaken, objectified. We were all loved by broken spirits in the middle of broken times. Their lives riddled with disconnectedness, shame, distrust, self-hatred, self-blame, physical abuse, mental abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse. The past, the present, the future became anything but absolute. I felt something pure and good kicking, hoping, believing, growing, merging inside me where sorrow could not reach. I was afraid and in love, entranced by our bond, never meant to be broken. Time and time again the bond was broken in my ancestors' lives, even as close to me as my own mother. My own mother, who had to let go of her fears, her past would have eaten me alive, and no one would have noticed the little Indian girl gone missing in a sea of grey misery. The highway of tears confirms this. I want to hold my daughter. I want to touch her black hair, and I cannot let go. I do not want to let go, but I understand why my mother did. I understand why a lot of mothers let go. I feel just how vulnerable I was once in the arms of a broken doll. So lost and alone, dysfunctional, she knew in her heart that in time she could not protect that vulnerability no matter how much she wanted to. I want for my daughter swimming in maternal waters to know that there is good in this world. I never want her to get lost and wonder of her existence. I want her to see me mend my broken fences of the past, me and her. Hmm. Thank you, Wanda. You're welcome. Before we run out of time, you are on the lineup this Sunday for the Dead Poets Reading series. And who are you reading? Who, what poet are you reading? Um, Pauline Johnson, mm. I think. Okay. Are you reading Pauline Johnson? I think so. Don't You're quote not sure me on that. Your mind? <laughs> yeah, or Vera Manual. Mm. Ah, okay. Yeah. And what time is that and where? It's at the VPL. You're looking at me like, help me out, so I'm going to yep. help you out. Uh, Vancouver Public <laughs> Library in the Alice McKay room, and I believe it's at 3 o'clock on Sunday, this Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Nice. They better get out in touch with you and let you know. <laughs> no, they have. The uh, thing is, I'm so busy that I yeah, check yeah. the day before a date right, mm-hmm. to right. find out where to go, which probably isn't the best way to do it, but it works Well, so as long far. as it gets you there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you're either going to be reading Pauline Johnson or Vera Manuel. I think it's Vera Manuel. Yeah, I think it yeah. is too. Yeah. And I did not know, um, and Vera Manuel, is that the person that... Um, um, Oh, uh, Joanne Arnott is has a book coming out about it. She edited yes, a book of yes. yeah, because that's where I'd heard that name just recently. Yeah, and is she related to the Manuel that wrote the book about um, the Indian Act and who was a leader in the Aboriginal uh, movement? Arthur, and, yeah, Manuel. That, yeah, is he is she related to him? Do you think, or do you know? I know her father was a really 
Um, so I think it may be a strong is, person, but I can't say. Yeah, I think maybe it is that family. Um, so when Joanne mentioned it, uh, when I was talking to her at um, the uh, Thursday's Writing Collective, mm-hmm. um, goodbye and launch of uh, in the heart of uh, in the heart of it all, um, we were talking about that, and I sort of made a note to myself that I wanted to go and look up Vera Manuel. So I'm going to come and hear some on Sunday. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for being our guest today. Um, RC, are there any other events that you want to mention? Uh, I'm just taking a look here online, and it looks like the Writer Studio Reading Series has an event going on tomorrow um, at the Cottage Bistro at uh, 8 p.m. till around uh, 10 o'clock. It doesn't say who's reading. It's their monthly thing. uh, So that's coming up. Uh, The Vancouver Poetry Slam has an event coming up on Monday featuring... Frankie McGee. I like Frankie's poetry. It's this kind of sweet, quiet slice of life, um, all about love and simple things. And I love hearing that on the slam stage. Cool. Yeah. So if you do too, you should come to the slam on Monday. <laughs> uh, here, I don't know what this is at all, but it says uh, two thousand on uh, May twelfth, the two thousand eighteen Whiskey Library Fundraiser in Lynn Valley will be happening, and that's on Saturday, May the 12th in uh, in North Vancouver. That's this website I just found, uh, Literary Events in <laughs> Vancouver. So I hadn't seen that before. So if you want to put your events up there, I guess uh, you can get some stuff going on. Um, yeah, that's all the time we've got this afternoon. Um, thank you, Wanda, so much for being our guest today. What's the name of the new book coming out? And the one Seven we- Sacred Truths, and the first one was in the doghouse. Thank you for inviting me, RC Absolutely. and Pam. Yeah, and you'll be. Um, sometimes you are on World Poetry Cafe, and you'll be on there later this month. I think you said May twenty seventh, so people can find you on the airwaves there as well. You often help out Ariadne. Saw saw you there. Saw you there. Actually, that the May twenty seventh date is the, still at the Vancouver Public Library as okay. well. From one to three it's a fusion of two cultures so somebody will be doing um dance uh-huh. it's a fusion between two cultures so i don't know if it's east indian i don't know if i'm even you're doing poetry and someone else's yeah doing dance on may 27th yeah great with koyali berman oh nice so and then we're having a drum there so mm. we're having an elder there as well to beat the drum yeah. and maybe have a mini round dance afterwards oh, nice. so yeah one to three on may 27th yep awesome okay and if people want to find you online and you want them to find you online is there a place they can look you like can if- look on facebook under wj kihiwen k-e-h-e-w-i-n yeah. Okay, good. Thanks again for being our guest today. Thank you for putting me on the spot. Oh, I, I didn't know I was doing that. <laughs> no, but I'm like, I should have a website, but no. It doesn't I'm have too, to be just no a shit. website. I'm too busy. There's no shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm RC. I'm Pam Bentley. And No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO, 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what?